How's it going everybody? Welcome to Found Flicks. This time on Ending Explained, we'll be looking at one of the greatest psychological horror films ever made. Darren Aronofsky's 2010 masterpiece, Black Swan. Natalie Portman won an Oscar for her incredible lead performance as Nina, one of the very few times the Academy has even bothered to recognize horror. Don't even get me started on Note being snubbed completely. This film follows a young ballerina with a truly insane work ethic. She lands the starring role as the duplicitous Swan Queen in a production of of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. As she seeks flawlessness, her mind starts to play tricks on her and reality becomes increasingly distorted. Black Swan brilliantly dissects the toxicity and unrealistic pursuit of trying to achieve perfection. Overall, the performances as well as the characters are all incredibly nuanced and multifaceted. You really have a clear idea of everyone's personality, such as Nina's very domineering mother or the quite creepy theater director. God, he's the worst. The film depicts Nina's psyche slowly becoming Becoming more and more unstable. The pacing of her mental descent works amazingly well. It really feels like a callback to older slow burn horror movies, such as Polanski's Repulsion, and it was also for sure influenced by Perfect Blue, a Japanese anime movie that you have to see if you haven't already. So we'll be looking at the insane ending of Black Swan, breaking down the story, and delving into the more overall complex themes. We open on a ballerina in the spotlight dancing the White Swan. It's Natalie Portman, aka Nina. She begins to flutter around the stage, showing off some impressively graceful footwork. She takes a seat, and the music turns more ominous. Out of the shadows, all of a sudden, a male ballet dancer approaches her. They size each other up and begin to dance together, the sounds of their movements as well as the score growing louder. Amongst their twirling, the male dancer transforms into a demonic-esque creature. The monster dancer leads the ballerina, and it's like she's literally wrestling with her own personal demons. In a quite concise way, this opening defines what the whole movie is about, as she wants more is on her own dancing in the hazy light that fades away. Nina awakens with a pleased sigh, cracking her neck and feet. As she stretches out in front of a mirror, she describes her crazy dream to someone off screen. I was dancing the white swan. This clarifies that the opening was in fact a dream. You all might recognize the actress who plays Nina's mother, the incomparable Barbara Hershey as Erica, which you know might be best known as Lorraine in the Insidious trilogy. Erica serves a disciplined and calorie light breakfast to Nina, grapefruit and a boiled egg. Nina spills that he promised to feature me more this season. Her mom replies that he should because she's dedicated and has been dancing there for a while. We'll soon find out who he is referring to. Erica helps Nina change and questions her after she finds a red scaly mark on her back. But Nina assures her that it's nothing. Erica appears as kind of sweet, but you can also get a glimpse into just how overbearing she is as a mother. On the way to the theater, Nina sees a woman on the subway that looks just like her, but she exits before Nina can get a better glimpse of her face. Fun fact, all these subway sequences were filmed without permits. Way to go. That Aronofsky always playing fast and loose. In hair and makeup, Nina overhears as the other dancers discusses how another dancer, Beth, has returned to their surprise. They discuss how old Beth is becoming and how nobody wants to see her anymore anyway. This ballet company is broke, we learn. They discuss how he is going to need to try something new that isn't approaching menopause. Rude. This implies the ballet director sleeps with his dance but also that Bath is on her way out and it's time for some fresh meat. Nina defends that some dancers dance well into their 50s, drawing jeers from the others. Just then, Lily enters in a huff and Nina is intrigued slash horrified. She's new in town from San Francisco. This scene delves into the idea of how we age out and how beauty standards and expectations are thrust upon women. And just as Nina was already worried, now she has new competition vying for the starring role. In the next scene, the ballet dancers are practicing 
diligently in a studio, and now we are introduced to who they've been referring to as he. It's Thomas Leroy, the director of the ballet, whose mere presence snaps the company to attention. The girls continue the routine, and he remarks on their moves. He then goes on to explain the story of Swan Lake, which is an obvious parallel to Nina's own life. A virgin girl, pure and sweet, trapped in the body of a swan. She desires freedom, but only true love can break the spell. Her wish is nearly granted in the form of a prince, but before he can declare his love, her lustful twin, the black swan, tricks and seduces him. Thomas continues giving notes to the girls as he reveals that in the end, devastated, the white swan leaps off a cliff and in death does find freedom. Foreshadowing. <laughs> While he's telling the story, Nina watches on nervously as Thomas taps other dancers on the shoulder. He reveals to them that they'll be opening the season with Swan Lake and they'll need a fresh face to play the Swan Queen. Importantly, somebody that can embody both the white and the black swan. No small feat. As he's saying this, we see his reflection in two mirrors, which is a great way to visualize the duplicity of the role. To Nina's surprise, Thomas says that any soloist that he taps should go to their scheduled rehearsals. Anybody he he didn't tap, meet him in the principal studio at five. That means that Nina got picked, yay! But for now, back to rehearsal. Afterwards, Nina is in her head and hears smashing noises along with anguished screams coming from a nearby room. She approaches the door and sees Beth in there destroying her dressing room. Nina silently watches the scene and a clearly frustrated Beth storms out screeching, what, before stopping off. Nina seizes the opportunity and sneakily enters the room, imagining herself if just for a moment as a star. She picks up Beth's lipstick and exhales in awe ultimately deciding to yoink it along with some other stuff for herself. During the audition, Nina nails her Odette White Swan performance. Thomas concurs, getting right up in her business, but as he breathly explains, the problem is, if he was only casting the White Swan part, it would be hers, but he's not. He strikes up the maestro to show him the Black Swan, and Nina nervously takes her position. The music begins, and she does her best, but Thomas is immediately throwing directions at her for her to attack it. She loses her momentum, and right on cue, Lily enters, and she doesn't need any warm-up at all. She's ready to get going and get funky. Well, that obviously didn't go too well, and we hear Nina blowing chunks in the dingy stall. On the way home, she declines a call from her mother, promptly shutting her phone. Up ahead, she strangely sees another woman also shut her phone, like in a mirror. Nina thinks the person appears familiar. As they walk by each other, it is indeed a black-dressed doppelganger of Nina, her own dark swan that she has been struggling to attain. Weird and creepy. Yet as she turns back, we see it's just someone similar similar in appearance, not actually Nina. Hmm, starting to see things, girl. Nina returns home, informing her overbearing mother that her unexpected audition went fine, but then quickly breaks down into tears while mom consoles her. Ever unwavering in her devotion to her craft, Nina dons her ballet shoes and practices in front of the mirror with a determined precision, pivoting over and over on her toes until it's just right. The tension builds as we focus on close-up shots of her feet standing up straight, and then there's a crack. She pushed herself too far. She removes her shoe, revealing that she grotesquely cracked her nail. It's loose and bloody. Nina's mom tends to the wound and tucks her in bed, relating that she understands all about the pressures put upon women. Especially as you start getting older, she chuckles, but it's all right. She turns on a child music box, assuring her no matter what happens, you'll shine. It'll be better in the morning. This is our first real glimpse into how Erica has obviously put her dreams of being a ballet dancer onto her daughter. And we know that's never 
super good. The next day, Nina, all dolled up, goes to visit slash hopefully convince Thomas to give her the part. She beams that she worked on that troublesome coda last night and got it finished. He lets her down that he doesn't even care about yesterday. And besides, he's already chosen Veronica to play the part, promptly showing her the door. He's surprised by her total lack of reaction. You did come here to try to convince me, right? She squeaks that she is here for the part and he scoffs. The truth is that all he sees in her is the white swan. She's beautiful and fragile, but that won't work at all for the black swan. Over the years that she's been in the troupe, he's seen just how obsessive she is on getting every movement right, but has never seen her lose herself. All that discipline for what? She whispers that she is seeking perfection, and he responds derisively with a quote that is essentially the thesis of the film. Perfection is not just about control, it's also about letting go. To prove his point in a way, all of a sudden Thomas forcefully kisses Nina and she bites his lip. He leaves back in pain and shock. Now that was a surprise and is the first emergence of her black swan. Later in the hallway, Nina and some other dancers are stretching out. Nina stares daggers at Veronica and somebody announces that the casting list has been posted. Nina congratulates Veronica ahead of time, already knowing that she didn't get the part. Veronica is stoked at least excitedly heading to the list. Nina turns around and starts to walk away dejected, but Veronica angrily inquires to her why she congratulated her. Is this some kind of sick joke? What is going on here? Nina rushes over to the list and sees her name under Swan Queen, giving congratulatory hugs from the others. Looks like Thomas must have seen something in her after their office encounter. She goes to the bathroom, clearly overwhelmed, and calls her mom to tell her the great news. He picked me, mommy, she cries. I'm gonna do Swan Lake. But the moment of victory is trounced when she gets out to wash her hands and sees the word whore written in red lipstick on the mirror. We then hear laughter coming from nearby and can't help but wonder, was it a jealous Lily or someone else behind this graffito tagging. That night, Nina returns home with a cheery demeanor and see that her mother's room is filled with paintings and drawings, all featuring her daughter. And out of nowhere, one's eyes move to look at her. Catch that? Pretty weird. And geez, obsessed much, lady? Woo, paint some apples or, you know. Whatever. Nina goes into the bathroom and examines herself in the mirror. She notices a weird scratch on her back and we hear slithering sounds. This sound design choice shows up throughout the movie and it really creates this feeling of unease that only gets worse as things get more insane. Nina cleans out the scratch and her mom calls for her to come down. She steadies herself and her mom has a cake of congrats for her, but Nina looks disgusted and says that she can't really eat it because her stomach is still in knots. However, we also have seen just how little she eats and how much pressure that she is under to stay thin, probably the real reason she'd want to go around eating cake. Erica gets pissed and threatens to throw the cake in the trash, which guilt trips Nina into apologizing. Erica weeps that she's proud of her, and she relents to just try at least a piece of the cake, eliciting a polite, mmm, geez, now this is a toxic dynamic. This all alludes to Nina's eating disorder, and how she has to constantly be conscious of her weight and appearance. You also see signs of this earlier when she was throwing up at the ballet's bathroom. In this cake scene, you also can get a sense of Nina's naive almost childlike behavior and how her mother has babied her. Nina starts to begin passionately rehearsing the white swan. Again, Thomas is impressed by her white swan, but the real challenge will be her transformation into her evil twin, the black swan. Thomas tells her he saw a flash of this yesterday and very creepily tells her to get ready to give me more of that bite. After this, Nina is training with the head coach, never giving up on her vain attempt for perfection. She directs her movements. The black swan is an evil force pulling her and it's out of her control. From afar, Nina watches the other battle 
ballet dancers rehearsing and zeroes in on Lily. Thomas slithers up from behind her and notes that Lily's movements are imprecise but effortless. She's truly allowing herself to let go, the same thing that she can't do. Also, this guy couldn't be more manipulative and greasy if he tried. Nina finally gets her star dressing room and learns that she has to share it with Beth, who we saw trashing it earlier. Nina sees Thomas has sent her a big bouquet of flowers, demurely calling them beautiful. At a gala that night, Thomas whisks her through the crowds, asking if she's ready to be thrown to the wolves. He draws her attention and announces to all the benefactors that Beth is retiring at the end of the season. While Nina listens intently, she fixates on a bloody hangnail, a nagging sense of her own feelings of imperfection. Beth looks visibly upset, and when Thomas showers her with faint praise, but when he refers to her as his little princess, she storms out of there in disgust. He declares that he's opening the season with Swan Lake and introduces everyone to the newest Swan Queen. This whole scene really reiterates the theme of aging out and how the young will always be thought of as more beautiful than the old. Get out of here, oldie. To Thomas, it's out with the old, in with the new, and the human cost is completely irrelevant. They gotta sell tickets to this shit to keep the doors open. Nina retreats to the restroom and picks nervously at her hangnail in the sink. She painfully tears off a chunk of skin, yet when she puts it underwater to wash it, her nail looks completely normal. Uh-oh. Was she imagining all that? Aggressive knocking continues at the door, and she opens it to Lily. She warmly introduces herself and takes her panties right off, tossing them in her purse without a second thought, really showing us how provocative and uncaring Lily is. Uh, yeah. She wants to hang out, but Nina quickly leaves. She doesn't get too far, as she's whisked away once more by Thomas, inviting her for a drink at his place. He's pulled away for more schmoozing, asking her to please wait behind. She peers around the massive room, focusing in on an angel statue donned in a creepy bird mask. She's drawn to it and alerted by the figure, and gets startled by an incredibly drunk Beth. She wants to know what she had to do to get this part. Thomas always called her such a frigid little girl. Ouch! What changed his mind? Did you suck his pee-pee? Nina retorts, not all of us had to do that. She scornfully calls her a whore, and Thomas breaks up the scene. He coos for her to keep it together, and rushes Nina away while Beth continues hurling insults. If it wasn't crystal clear already, creepy Thomas obviously has nefarious intentions with his invitation for a drink. He starts pressing Nina with uncomfortable questions about her relationship and sex life, even asking if she's a virgin. Totally normal conversation. I know you're French and everything, but come on. Nina looks incredibly uncomfortable, but says that she's not a virgin. She's still squeamish, but he wants them to be comfortable enough to discuss sex. In that same vein, he gives her a homework assignment. Go home and touch yourself. Sure thing, boss. At home, Erica helps Nina undress, envious of her big night out. But of course, she has to make her feel bad since she wasn't invited to the gala. You can really tell how overprotective and possessive Eric is of Nina, remarking how she was probably with Thomas all night showing her off and everything else. As Erica helps her change, she notices the strange red scratches are all over Nina's back. This upsets her, and she takes her in the bathroom to fix her up. Frantically, she cuts Nina's nails, and interstate, bemoaning all the pressure, accidentally cuts her. The following morning, Nina decides to explore her clearly repressed sexuality and masturbates as instructed. She, uh, really gets into it, humping her bed passionately, but it's quickly spoiled when noticing an asleep Erica in a chair nearby. Ew, no, mom, I'm kind of in the middle of something here. In rehearsal, Nina finds out from the emotional group that Beth was in a bad accident and is now recovering in the hospital. She inquires what happened, and Thomas reveals that Beth was hit by a car, but he believes that she actually did it on purpose, because everything she does comes from her dark impulse. This is what makes her so compelling to watch, even perfect at times, but also so damn destructive. Seems like he's implying that Nina needs to have that dark impulse if she wants to nail the black swan, but it comes 
comes with consequences too. Nina is upset by the development, but he encourages her to not focus on that. This is your moment. Don't let it go to waste. Nina visits Beth in the hospital and sees that her legs have been terribly injured. She tries to take in the moment and leaves her yet another bouquet amongst the assortment. She gets closer and gasps when seeing rods in her legs. She knows she'll never dance again, and this fate shakes her to her core, causing her to flee in a hurry. In her dressing room, she's visibly upset. She attempts to contain her emotions, pulling out Beth's lipsticks and a nail file. Sometime later, while taking out the trash, Nina notices a curious piece of wood and takes it with her. She sneaks it home, coming to her mother crying, while she paints more pictures of Nina. Yeah, can we get some more of those, please? She hurries to her bedroom and uses the piece of wood to block her mother from entering her room. But Erica is still soon shouting for her, and she hides the wood under the bed. Nina continues training, and here's some trivia for you. The scene where Nina is seeking medical attention is actually real. Natalie Portman dislocated her rib while filming and needed to be seen for that injury. Aronofsky told Portman to stay in character while she was being treated. Now, when you take a shit, do it as the black swan. Nina is right back to practicing in spite of her injuries, yet Thomas continues to be unimpressed with her. He's curious if Nina's dance partner would sleep with her. He's making a comment on how frigid Nina is in her movements as well as persona. He believes that no, no one would, and the lights cut out. He yells for everyone to leave, that is, except for Nina. When it's just the two of them, he brings her in close. I'll be the prince. He guides her through the routine and starts kissing and touching her all over. Respond to it, he commands, and starts feeling her up. He then pulls away. That was me seducing you, he tells her, but it should have been the other way around and leaves. She shouts after with a please, but he's gone. And once more, the issue for Nina is harnessing her darker side. After Nina sits and stews a while, Lily appears in the shadows, but it actually looks more like another Nina. It's only when they step into the light that it changes into Lily, implying that Nina and Lily are really two sides of the same person. She hypes Nina up that she's going to do a great job on opening night, but something is on her mind. Lily can tell that Thomas did something rude to her, but Nina continues to defend him and his methods. This makes Lily think that she must have a crush on him or something, and an upset Nina wants to leave as Lily tells her it was just a joke. In the tub, Nina begins pleasuring herself again and dips under the water. Blood spills onto the surface, and she looks up seeing herself above creepily grinning. Ah! Scary! Luckily, it was just a hallucination, but I'm starting to have a lot more of those. She hops out of the tub and begins furiously grooming her fingers. She clips them with scissors and gets one of her nails, her mom shouting out, wondering what what she's doing in there. At rehearsal, Nina keeps practicing, but Thomas is as always unimpressed, barking for her to go again. Another run through and all he says is, again. She stops, breathlessly asking if he has any corrections. He tells her that Lily told him she saw her crying, and that's why he's trying to take it easier on her. He becomes passive-aggressive, telling Nina that maybe she should just take a long break. She apologizes, and he shouts, that's the whole problem. You're weak! And orders another run-through. With the girls, Nina demands a word with Lily, and confronts her about tattling. She backs off that she was just talking, but not before sarcastically calling Nina, your highness. Also, she starred in that really great movie by that same name. Nina puts her foot down. She should have said anything. Lily chuckles, okay, but at least Nina is starting to stand up for herself. On the subway, she is back to scrubbing at her nails. The only other passenger on the train is a gross older guy making kissing noises and masturbates at her. This older guy is in a way similar to Thomas because they objectify Nina, albeit in different ways. This short scene also feels quite inspired by Repulsion, that Polanski movie that I brought up earlier. Check that one out. With her mom, Erica asks if Thomas has made any advances on account of Nina staying out late so much recently. Nina gruffly tells her that 
that he's not. And Erica just wants to make sure that she doesn't make the same mistakes that she did with her career, referring to her own dash dreams of being a ballet dancer. Nina grumbles back, what career? This is obviously a sore spot for her, and Erica gets incredibly offended and abusive. She demands to see her skin. You can tell Nina is starting to really get sick and tired of her mom's possessive and manipulative tactics, emphatically responding, no! All of a sudden, the doorbell rings, and she watches as her mom opens the door. Erica tells somebody that Nina isn't home, and tells her that it was nobody. She rushes out to the hallway, where she sees Lily. She felt bad about what happened, and wants to take her out to apologize. Nina is finally coming out of her shell, and agrees to join her, despite her mother's cries that she's supposed to be on stage the following day. Before we continue, have you ever found yourself surfing online and in need of extra security? Maybe you're trying to watch a movie, and it's unavailable in your country. Well, then you're in need of a VPN, and that's why you need Surfshark VPN. Essentially, anytime you need to keep safe online, just turn on Surfshark and all your surfing is immediately encrypted. That way, no one can see what you're doing or your location by changing your IP address. That's peace of mind for sure. While that is great, there's even more you can do with Surfshark. For me, there's a lot of times where I'm looking for specific content only to find it's not available in my country. Luckily, you can travel the world in just one click with Surfshark by changing your IP address to whatever you need. Block content is a problem no more. This lets you access any streaming service around the globe, like ones exclusive to particular countries. The same goes for any geoblock site out there, which is especially great when you're traveling. Now the entire internet, no matter where you are, is right at your fingertips. So why not try out Surfshark VPN for yourself? You can get a great deal by following the link in the description and entering promo code FLIX for 83% off and three extra months free. At dinner, Lily relays that Thomas using that term little princess for her is disgusting. But Nina, on the other hand, thinks it's cute. He probably calls every girl little princess, she accuses. But naive Nina thinks that it's special. It's only for Beth. The whole point is the drastically different perspectives of the two. Lily sees the real problematic sexual favors and corruption going on here, while Nina thinks it's a special little fairy tale. Lily throws this in her face, certain that she'll be called little princess any day now. Meaning that even if for now you're special to Thomas, just like Beth, the younger version will inevitably come along with a new little princess. You see more hints of Lily's promiscuity as she speaks to the waiter in a quite sexual manner with food-related double entendres. As we see, Lily very much encapsulates the black swan that has eluded Nina thus far. Just as with the Thomas dance earlier, Lily is in control and enjoys seducing men, but Nina is the polar opposite of that. She wants to know what Thomas is like sexually, but Nina insists she doesn't know and bristles that she doesn't want to talk about that. Lily tells her to relax and offers her some good old Molly. Nina doesn't even know what it is, and she tells her again to relax. Let's see the night sky, she teases. She also gives Nina an outfit for her to spruce up and ignores another of mom's calls, again hearing those creepy slithering sounds as she looks at these scratches on her back. Kind of funny that her ringtone is Swan Lake, too. Eh. Nina exits the bathroom feeling confident for once and spots Lily with two dudes across the bar. She also notices Lily definitely slipped something into a drink. Weird. Lily rushes over to her, and Nina tells her that she's heading off, but Lily convinces her to stay and hang out with the random new guys, including the Winter Soldier. Lily introduces the not-so-smart dudes as Tom and Jerry. Hilarious. Nina is hesitant with the new bows, but Lily assures her it's just for a few hours tops, further pushing her out of her comfort zone. The guys ask if they're sisters. Lily jokes that they are, but Nina says no, they're in the same ballet company. One of the guys tells her that ballet is boring, which Nina finds a bit offensive, and the drinks keep flowing late into the evening. Erica calls again, and Nina still screens the call. Jeez, again, overbearing much? Nina explains that they're doing Swan Lake, and he wants to know what it's about, and she explains the story. He finds it depressing, 
blessing. While Nina finds it beautiful, all of a sudden the molly kicks in and Nina gets really high in spite of herself, Lily noticing someone might be rolling. Time to dance! In a really trippy sequence that's brilliantly yet chaotically edited, Nina and Lily dance together amongst the rando bros. In the flashing lights, Nina looks dazed and there's glimpses amongst the flashing of her in distinct black swan makeup as though she is finally being guided to that side of herself. And it's back to the distorted good and hazy drug fuel times. And then we're suddenly in the bathroom seeing Nina making out with some random dude. She regains her composure leaving the bathroom. Lily follows after her, hearing her slow echoey voice shouting after. She finds her outside and they hop into a cab together. In the cab, Lily tiptoes her fingers towards Nina's honey lining. They give each other glassy-eyed stares and she goes under her pants, causing Nina to gasp in ecstasy. They stumble into Nina's apartment, giggling, and Erica is waiting there to give them shit. Uh-oh, mommy's not gonna be happy. Erica presses her on what she's been doing and reminds her again that she's gotta be on stage early. She tries to explain and Erica shouts to shut her mouth and Nina grabs Lily, dragging her to the bedroom. Erica follows them, but Nina uses the piece of wood to block her from entering. Nina yells back that she isn't 12 anymore, finally taking a stand, you know, she's not a kid. Erica worryingly states, this isn't my Nina. She's riding away as Nina turns around and begins to make out with Lily. She heads right downtown, sending Nina into pure ecstasy. But amongst the muff dives, there's a glimpse of Nina's doppel self. Also, she looks at Lily's tattoo and it moves. Yeah, this is all definitely in her head to a degree, y'all. After Nina gets her rocks off, Lily calls her a sweet little girl and stuffs a pillow on her face. That's weird. The next morning, again befuddled if that was all a dream, Nina grumbles awake only to realize she's late for the big show. Ah, just like Mama warned. She grabs all of her things and as she's about to leave her room, she notices that the wood stick is not there to keep the door closed. Huh? How'd that happen? Unless Lily was never there in the first place. Her mother is already awake and she's angry that she didn't wake her up first. Nina exclaims that she's moving out while she leaves. Arriving late, she hears Swan Lake being played and sees Lily subbing in for her as a swan queen. Ah, crap. They continue through the rest of the performance, leaving Nina fuming on the sidelines. Thomas acts really impressed by Lily, but you can tell that he's sort of all faking it just to get a reaction out of Nina. After they're done, Lily comes over to her, defending that he just needed a stand-in. Nina tells Lily that she knows that she put something in her drink, which she admits to, yet when it comes to her having stayed the night, Lily doesn't agree that it happened. Her reaction here is a big moment for the movie. As Nina tries to put the pieces together of what did actually happen, Lily pokes fun at her, chuckling and asking if she had a naughty dream about her. Nina's sanity is clearly starting to crumble completely at this point. She's no longer certain of what's reality or not anymore. So now we question how much of Nina and Lily's night actually took place. Hard to say. Nina rehearses for Thomas, who seems bored and is paying no attention to her. He's busy staring at Lily, which pisses her right off. This seems again to be a more manipulation tactic Thomas is trying to use to make Nina work harder. That night she throws up and moves a piece of furniture, which was blocking the door to keep her deed a secret. She hops in bed, turning on a music box on her nightstand, and it starts playing a Swan Lake song. Anger fuels her and she smacks it away. She then rounds up her stuffies and dumps them down the trash chute. She doesn't want to be treated like a 12 year old anymore, and those stuffed animals remind her of her childhood and her mother. In the next scene, they're rehearsing the finale of Swan Lake. It's a bit meta as there's 30 minutes left in the movie. Thomas proclaiming, this is the final act, your final dance, you tasted your dream, touched it, only to have it crushed, your life force draining, the blood drips, only one way to end the pain. Call me Vincent Cassell. Yep, nope. As Nina is about to perform her character's demise, she looks down at the mattress below in fear and hesitates. Thomas assures her it will be just fine, and Nina jumps, landing without incident to light applause from the crew. As they break, Thomas gives her a thumbs up in approval, and Nina sighs in relief. She finally nailed the dual roles, but perhaps at the cost of her sanity. 
Worth it! During a costume fitting, Nina is told that she lost weight to her delight. Back to the mirror, the reflections go on forever, and she sees a reflection of herself scratching her back. She looks back into the mirror, but the double is gone. This is another clear sign of her hallucinating. Lily enters and approaches the tailor, who says that she needs to get fitted for the Swan Queen costume. Nina rushes towards her in disdain, and Lily shrugs that Thomas made her the alternate. This sends Nina into a rage, and she confronts him. He casually explains that there's always an alternate, nothing personal going on here, really. Regardless, Nina seems convinced that Lily is after her part. He admits that is true in a way, as he points out every dancer in the world is after her part. It's a big deal! Swan Queen! She's steadfast as she's after the part, begging him to believe her through tears. He knows that she's been struggling, but smiles. She had a breakthrough. Just make it through tomorrow, and you won't have to worry about anything. Sending her home to get some rest. But ever the perfectionist, Nina stays late and rehearses by herself. A pianist playing along with her even eventually has had enough, moaning, I've got a life. Don't work so hard. This again plays into the toxicity in pursuing perfection. Nothing is more important to her in her life than Swan Lake. No one or anything else matters to her at all. As Nina continues dancing, her reflection begins to move out of sync. She stops, but her reflection keeps dancing. Spooky! She backs up, short of breath, and when her reflection turns back to face her, the lights cut out. Let's touch on just how pivotal mirrors and reflections are in this movie. Nina is constantly looking at mirrors throughout the story. Even from the beginning, she's examining her beauty, her outer beauty. A lot of horror movies use mirrors to create suspense for jump scares, but that's not quite the case here. This movie uses mirrors as a way to play into Nina's hallucinations and that other hidden dark reflection or side of herself that has now been stirred to life. After the lights cut out, Nina frantically tries to find someone to turn them back on, coming to a dark figure scurrying in the distance. She chases after it and rounds the corner hearing strange laughter. The laughter grows louder and she finds Thomas about to get it on with Lily, the ultimate betrayal. But things are not so straightforward. As Lily's face changes into Nina's, Thomas then becomes Rothbart, the scary sorcerer character from Swan Lake. This is the same character Nina was dancing with in the opening dream sequence. Nina's subconscious is literally telling her that she's becoming the Black Swan through this terrifying hallucination. Nina runs to her dressing room and grabs Beth's belongings. She rushes out of the building, noticing a Swan Lake poster featuring herself coming real soon. Nina leaves a note with Beth at the hospital, along with all the stuff that she took. As she's about to put down the nail file, Beth grabs her arm to her shock, wanting to know what she's doing here. Nina tearfully apologizes and now can understand what she was going through, shrieking, she's trying to replace me! What do I do? Beth questions why Nina took her things, and she responds that she just wanted to be perfect, just like her. Perfection isn't real, though, and Beth takes the file, grumbling that she's not perfect. She's nothing. She keeps repeating that she's nothing and completely goes ballistic. Nina looks back, seeing herself briefly instead of Beth, and runs out into the elevator where she drops the bloody file. Hmm, what happened there? These constant hallucinations are also a great metaphor for how Nina literally wants to see herself in other female characters. We see it in that prior scene where she thinks she sees Lily having sex with Thomas, or even earlier when Nina thinks she's having sex with Lily. Her mental decline is showing how Nina is beginning to exhibit Lily's promiscuity while also starting to exhibit Beth's envy. It's these dark qualities that make up her own black swan. Nina returns home and washes up in the sink. She leaves the room and turns the lights off, but hears someone say, sweet girl. She flips the switch again and sees herself in a bloody hospital gown. Her inner demons have been trying to outgrow this sweet girl side, aka the white swan, swallowing up that good side permanently. Nina needs to truly figure out how to balance both sides of herself and better figure it out quick. After the scary kitchen encounter, Nina is overwhelmed and hurls in the bathroom. She then hears her mother crying from her room and follows the noise. She turns on the lights and all of her mother's drawings have come to life. They're all creepily dancing around, cooing sweet girl to her. When we saw the drawings earlier in the film, it was a bit strange 
change, mainly because it showed how obsessed Erica is with Nina. But now the drawings are all much darker in appearance. They all have black eye makeup and terrifying expressions resembling the black swan. Nina begins to tear them off the wall and the drawings call out, Mommy! Nina looks in the mirror and the reflection is herself in the bloody gown again. She starts moving towards Nina and when turning around, it's actually just her mom. She questions what she's doing and Nina hurries to her room. She blocks the door with her favorite wood piece and her back cracks painfully. Nina stares at herself in the mirror. Her eyes are bloodshot and her scratches begin to pulse. She plucks out black feathers from within, looking distraught. Erica busts into the room and Nina shoves her out, slamming her fingers in the door. Nina backs up and her legs crack backwards into bird formation. It's all too much and she collapses unconscious. Nina awakens in the morning to her mother sitting on her sofa chair, accompanied by the music box again. She sees that Erica has put pink socks over her hands because she was scratching all night long. Nina wants to know what time it is and she says, don't worry, she told the theater she's not feeling well. Nina gets up in a huff and tries to leave her room but notices the doorknob is missing and Erica explains that she will have to stay in here until she feels better. Nina scours the room while her mother complains that the Swan Queen role is destroying her. What happened to my sweet girl, she cries. Nina responds with an incredibly simple yet powerful line, she's gone. Well, there you go, sweet little girl Nina is dead. Nina cracks Erica's injured hand and finds the doorknob. As Nina leaves her bedroom, Erica tells her that she can't handle this anymore. This angers Nina, who exclaims that she's a Swan Queen and you're the one who never left the core. The scene depicts Nina's character arc and transformation into completely becoming the Black Swan. In the beginning, Erica had coddled Nina so much into being soft-spoken as a submissive young woman, but now she has quite literally grown out of that. She was raised as the White Swan, but now she needs to be free from her mother's grip. When she was under her control, she appeared rigid to Thomas, who commented on her stiff dance movements. The idea of freedom that the Swan Queen role requires means Nina needs to be totally independent, growing up and making decisions for herself. Nina arrives at the theater and Lily is pissed because she was supposed to be sick. She's not gonna let that stop her and she goes in the dressing room to get ready. And Thomas follows after. As Nina begins putting on makeup, he deflates her that he has already asked Lily to play the Swan Queen tonight. Does the audience know? Well, no, they haven't been informed. In that case, does he need another conspiracy after what happened to Beth? He looks pleased with her new demeanor as she is resolute that she's doing it. Thomas chuckles, reminding her that the only person ever in her way is you. It's time to let her go. Lose yourself. Thomas is quite proud of Nina for talking back to him and showing her aggressive as well as courageous attitude. She needs to do this part and she's no longer scared of him either. She returns to her makeup, covering up her fledgling feathers and when going to put on her shoes, discovers that her feet are webbed together. She attempts to separate them and the other one is even worse. In spite of all that, she finishes her prep and ventures to the stage. She appears nervous, staring into the crowd and is sent to her correct blocking spot. Nina emerges on stage to applause. She goes on to dance beautifully, perfectly embodying the Swan Queen with every graceful, precise movement. When she goes backstage briefly, she spots Thomas across the way. They make eye contact and she takes in a deep breath in anticipation, him giving a light nod of approval in return. Yes, we did it. She then sees Lily being romantic with a guy playing her dance partner, which rattles her. Nina struts back on a stage for the next piece. She tries to maintain her composure, getting dizzy in the lights. As her partner lifts her up, she starts hallucinating, seeing Lily, then her own face on one of the dancers. She loses her balance and her partner drops her. This shows us that Nina is not just the white swan anymore. Remember, she never had trouble with the white hat before, but she has lost that stability because the black swan has become her actual true self. As the curtain goes down ending act one, Nina is upset for her blunder. Thomas is pissed too, calling it a disaster, and she lays the blame squarely on
on her partner. A bundle of emotions, she returns to her dressing room to find Lily getting ready to be the black swan. She pokes fun about her rough start. Whoa, that must have been humiliating. Nina yells for her to get out, but Lily doesn't relent and suggests that, hey, she could dance as the black swan instead. As we turn from Lily in the mirror, Doppel Nina finishes the idea. Nina has had enough, shrieking to leave me alone, and shoves her into the mirror, shattering it. Once more, Lily has reverted into the darker half of Nina, who strangles her other half for control, declaring that it's my turn. Nina's scaly neck accentuates, her blood red eyes take over, and she stabs her in the chest with a shard of glass. It's my turn, she counters. Doppel Nina then reverts to Lily, who coughs up blood and bleeds out. Now realizing what she's done, Nina drops the glass, sobbing in disbelief. There's a knock at the door that she has five minutes to get ready, and she hurriedly drags the body over to the bathroom. She hyperventilates, and her red eyes return. She's suddenly calm and lets out a small growl. Well, looks like Black Swan's in the driver's seat all the time now. Nina emerges on stage with a dominating energy, looking absolutely terrifying. She nails the routines. Her movements are loose and free, literally looking like a swan. The crowd cheers loudly for Nina as she goes off stage and feeling empowered in her skin, writhes around confidently. A black skin overtakes her arm along with feathers that emerge all over her body. On stage, she is fully transformed into a winged creature and has fully evolved into the black swan. The crowd erupts into a standing ovation as she sucks up all the acclaim. She steps off stage and gives Thomas an impassioned kiss, leaving him giggling like a schoolboy. Like before, he was the one doing the seducing and now it's her turn. Looks like all of his manipulation tactics worked, but at what cost? Before the final act, Nina heads back to the dressing room and is reminded of her mistake. She sees the shards of glass from the mirror and blood coming out from the bathroom door. She lays a towel over it to sloppily cover things up and takes a seat to change her makeup. There's a knock on the door and to her shock, it's Lily. What the? Lily congratulates her and acknowledges that things did get a bit messy between them personally. However, she has to gush that her dancing simply blew her away. Nina is befuddled as Lily leaves. She scours her dressing room and the glass is still there, curiously. She peers under the towel near the bathroom, but there is no blood anymore underneath. And when she looks for the body, it's gone. She gasps and feels something in her gut. She looks down, discovering a bloody wound and removes a shard of glass. Turns out the shard went into her instead. Can't trust anything that you see anymore, obviously. She breaks down looking at it, but refuses to give up. Through tears, she takes a seat and finishes her new look. Nina dutifully performs the final act without a hitch, despite the no doubt unbearable pain. The scene climaxes, and she takes her place on the top of the cliff. Just about to jump, she looks into the audience, seeing a teary-eyed Erica. Made her proud. Nina's red eyes are back, and she plunges down into the mattress below, landing with a slow-motion exhale. She did it! The audience roars in applause. All the dancers circle around her, and Thomas approaches her, proudly proclaiming, they love you, my little princess. I always knew you had it in you. Wait a minute, little princess, not again. Just then, Lily yelps, and everyone notices Nina's bloody wound. He asks what she did, and she is content for a fleeting moment, whispering, I felt it, perfect. It was perfect. She looks up at the stage lights, and they grow brighter and brighter until taking over completely, Nina drifting away from this mortal plane. The crowd continues cheering and chanting, all in rapturous appreciation of Nina. Wow, what an ending, huh? Thomas calling her a little princess echoes back to what Lily was saying earlier. Pretty soon he'll be calling you little princess. This is also what he called Beth, and it's interesting that he says this right before Beth almost dies. He also says it right before Nina dies. It's like the little princess line shows Thomas has now completely approved of them in a way. He puts these dancers 
through the absolute ringer to get what he wants, but is also happy ruining their lives without a second thought. And he's like, whatever, as long as you're dancing and I'm selling tickets, I don't care about anything else. Yeah, you can go get run over by a car. Nina's last line is so iconic, and again reinforces the many themes of the movie. Nina was seeking perfection the whole story and was ultimately able to achieve the impossible, but at the cost of her sanity and her life, that's how committed she was. It's also kind of showing again that perfection does not exist, and the whole movie is about the horrors of trying to achieve something that's impossible. This is a movie that is great on first watch, but definitely gets better and better with each rewatch. Like distinguishing Nina's hallucinations versus reality. Which one's real, which one's not, and then, you know, as things get more crazy, it's definitely harder to tell. Overall, the way Aronofsky builds psychological tension through body horror is genius. These ballerinas dance on their tippy toes all day long, which inherently looks pretty unsettling. Whenever you cut to those close-ups, you're always anxious that Nina might break her foot or something. You're like, ah, and then that one time with her toe and everything, ugh. Her transformation into the black swan is visualized brilliantly by how her body changes. Losing nails, scratches turning into feathers, losing your mind can be a very internal thing, but it's externalized in such a horrifying yet powerful way. With that, we've reached the conclusion of this ending explained for Black Swan. Don't forget, before we go, you can send me requests for any movies or TV shows you'd like to see me explain by sending them my way on any of my social media accounts at Foundflix. What did you think of Black Swan and its ending? Do you have a different interpretation than me? What's your favorite psychological thriller? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow. Thanks for watching Foundflix. See you next time.